Hey, welcome to the Juice Bar Experts podcast, where we are going to give you tips, tools, strategies for launching a new juice bar or scaling and increasing the profitability and efficiency in your existing juice bar. I'm your host, Andrew McFarlane. For the last 10 years, I've been in the juice bar business, running my own juice bars, as well as helping hundreds of entrepreneurs all around the world launch successful juice businesses. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome. Hope you guys are feeling amazing. I'm feeling pretty good. Today we're talking about top five juice business expert tips. These are the things if I was to distill it and people, someone came to me and said, Andrew, what are the top five most important things I should know about developing my business? Well, I'm going to give them to you today. It's interesting because I actually recorded a YouTube video about this many, many, many years back. It was actually one of the very first YouTube videos that I recorded and only started doing podcasts as of like the last couple of years. And so I'll usually go back because I know some people like to listen to podcasts versus watch YouTube videos. And so I'm kind of uh, recreating a lot of the content that's popular there on the podcast. And in going back and watching that video, for me, it was it was informative and it was a good video but I really feel like having at this phase because that video was recorded over five years ago now being in a place where I really feel like the top five most important things are kind of different they're in some ways less granular and more principle driven uh, and and for that reason I feel like that much more powerful and impactful. So we're going to get into that starting with number one. And this is keep it simple, right? This is as a principle, when you're moving through your business, developing everything, you want to be thinking about simplicity, right? Efficiency. Because when you don't have a business and you've never started a company, a lot of times we can get wrapped up in the excitement and romanticism of having the most complicated menu and all these unique drink offerings. And we don't really understand the implications from a production standpoint and from a purchasing standpoint, customer service standpoint, right? And how all these things are interconnected and impacted by one another. We don't understand the implications of those things. And so starting simple is key. I always remind people that you have forever to complicate your life. And I can speak from experience because I remember in the beginning, I made this mistake twice, actually. When starting my juice truck, we had all kinds of recipes. We were making food and desserts and, you know, 20 different juices and all of this stuff. And then I just realized, wow, you can't produce a large volume of a lot of menu items in such a small space. So I reduced the menu. Then we were moving to the store and I thought, oh, we have a store now. We have more space. I'm getting excited again. I want to do this. I want to do that. Sure enough, that didn't work again. And so I learned my lesson twice and I hope you guys don't even have to learn this lesson once. So you can keep it simple from the very beginning and not have to go through all the chaos and complexity because 
one thing you'll always notice is that the biggest food service businesses in the world have very small inventories. They oftentimes figure out how to repackage and repurpose the same items in multitude in, in multiple ways. And so this principle, and I, I often, you know, right now I'm talking a lot about the menu, but it's not just about the menu, right? It's about every aspect of your operations, keeping it simple, keeping it streamlined, rinse and repeat as much as possible. Because the difference with a juice company, unlike other fast food restaurants and cafes, is that the product is fresh. And you're, because of that, and because of the limited shelf life of the ingredients and the juices and all of that, there's inherently a level of dynamism and complexity that you have to be with in order to make sure you have your systems in order and the turnover of the product is happening fast enough so that you don't have spoilage. So you don't want to add to that challenge and complexity by adding more items and having a huge inventory and everything else. So that's number one. Number two is investing in your staff. And I do mean this from a financial standpoint, but I also mean this from the dimension of with your time, with your energy, with your emotion, your staff is the backbone of your company. They are so important. If you have a great team, not only is it going to be a joy for you to work with this team, everyone's going to feel inspired, your quality of life has improved, but also you'll reduce your turnover and reduce the money you have to spend in hiring people and training people because training is not cheap, right? It takes a while for someone to get to uh, greater levels of efficiency within a business, right? The learning curve could be months, and so you're still having to pay someone a salary when they're learning, when they're in this training phase. And so that's not cheap. But first, let's talk about the financial element a little bit more. When you're interviewing people and hiring your part-time, full-time, and salaried employees, you're going to have a spectrum of people come in with a large spectrum of experience, more or less. And some business owners would be inspired to try to find the people that are going to be the cheapest hourly and the cheapest people for their salary. You might have a GM who is requesting a $5,000 a year more salary or even $10,000 a year more. Now, depending on what kind of volume of business you're planning on doing, that might mean a lot or a little. But the one thing I've learned is that really great employees can do the work sometimes of two employees and sometimes three employees and make you more money because the customer service is better. And there's all kinds of ways that your employees are an investment. I remember I was speaking to a friend a couple months back and she was at a place in her business. She has a different business. She's sort of like a sole contractor and she does production and things like this. And she was asking me, she said, you know, Andrew, how do you, how do you, um, get to the place where you're able to to like weather that kind of expense of in of hiring people and i said well that's kind of your issue is you look at hiring people as an expense when really it's an investment right when i hire someone i'm investing in them and i'm 
expecting as that investment that they're going to make my business more money. And in the same way, think about everybody that you're hiring as an investment. How can you invest in people financially and think about what the upside potential of having that kind of individual in your business is from a uh, system standpoint, a production standpoint, a cultural standpoint, right? So what's the energy that they're bringing to the team and the environment and just the overall quality of the experience? Because you know you have a good business when the culture is so positive, so fun, so um, just such a, a great experience to be around that the word gets out in your community and people start approaching you as a business owner and, and really wanting to work with you and you can feel their passion for wanting to be a part of your your business and your business's mission. Now, yet you're going to have people who walk into your juice bar and just hand you their resume because they're looking for a job and almost any job will do. But then you also know that there's a difference in the quality of person that is attracted to your company specifically. They want to leave their job and work for your business because of the, the word that is getting out around how amazing it is to work for your business. And so that's going to come from not only investing in your team financially, but investing in them as people right with your time with your emotion really really learning and getting to understand what their goals are what their vision is what's going to make the role that they're playing in your your company fulfilling to them and that takes bandwidth it takes um, intention and it takes inspiration you have to want to do it i remember once um, i ran into a former employee who didn't work for us for very long maybe it was six months or something and I was traveling and I randomly ran into her just walking down the street and we caught up and, and we were just checking in. How are things going? And she, at one point in the conversation, stopped me and she said, you know, Andrew, I have to tell you, um, I just wanted to say thank you for the time that I worked in your company. I didn't realize at that moment how precious and special it was. But having other jobs since then, it really showed me how unique the company culture was that you created and how beautiful that experience was. And it, and it really holds a special place in my heart. And so it taught me a lot. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. And for me, that meant so much because one of my, you know, biggest inspirations in being an entrepreneur is helping my team grow into whatever their goals are and helping them realize those goals through our business. And so if you're similar to me, know that it can be done and you just have to make the intention to do it and you have to have the time and the space to really want to nurture the people in your company as well. So moving on, we're going to talk about number three now, which is the statement that you must know your role. Know your role. I'll start by sharing a story. There is a very famous business consultant management expert by the name of Peter Drucker. He's written countless books. And at one point he was giving a talk at a university graduation and someone asked him, what is the most important thing that you've learned in the entirety of your career? And now this was at a stage of life where I think he was in his either late seventies or eighties, but he was, he was in the later stages of his life and he sat silent for an awkwardly long period of time. And when he came back to speak, what he said was, the most important thing that I've learned in the entirety of my career is who does what? Who does what is the most important thing 
that he has learned. Now, I often say that the best sports teams are not the teams with the best players, but the teams that have good players in the best positions. For you and your company, you're going to have, as an individual, a natural disposition towards different things, certain things that you're skilled at, certain things that are uh, more beneficial or less beneficial to the company. And you're also going to be required to do certain things in certain phases of the business, right? Early on, you could have the objective to be the very distant CEO, but maybe your finances don't allow you to do that, or you don't have the business savvy at that moment to do that. So you have to kind of build your way up to that. Um, but ultimately, having a clear understanding of of constantly repositioning yourself in your business and delegating and creating systems and then repositioning yourself. Because what I found is as companies grow, you have to grow with them as an individual on a personal level, but also in your position, most importantly. Otherwise, what happens is, is that the business's growth is sacrificed by your lack of foresight and lack of understanding of the impact of what you're doing day to day. So there are people who love being in the kitchen and cleaning dishes and sweeping the floor. And they also love to show their staff that they are willing to get their hands dirty, which to a certain degree I think is valuable. But if you do that too much, um, what will happen is, is that you'll be missing a lot of opportunities to do things that are going to really have a strong impact on your company's growth. If that is your objective. And so you have to look at what your goals are. It's not to say any of this is right or wrong, or there's a, any wrong positions that you can hold within a company. If your company is successful in the standard that you deem success to look like, then that's up to you. But I think a lot of times what I see is a lot of small business owners, and there's a great book about this called the E-Myth, which I highly recommend you guys read, which I'm sure you've heard me talk about or other people talk about, but if you haven't check it out. Um, and the premise of the book is that a lot of times small business owners kind of get stuck in this role of being a manager and never graduate to being entrepreneurs because they don't know what the role of the entrepreneur actually is. And to keep it simple and quick in terms of the base premise of this book is that there are three roles in every business. There's the technician, which carries out the tasks. There are the managers, which manage the tasks that the technicians are meant to carry out. And then there's the entrepreneur, which creates the systems, the processes that the managers should manage for the technicians to carry out. And a lot of people just end up in this managerial role and don't know how to be an entrepreneur within their company. And so that's really critical. Know yourself, understand your personality, grow with the company, constantly allow that to evolve, but know your role within the business and know the things that you should be doing and shouldn't be doing and what you need to delegate and what you need to hire other people for in order for you to maintain the right position to grow the business in an effective way. Moving on to number four. Now, this is the statement that you must know your numbers. It's interesting because I talk to a lot of people and some people who will reach out to us that are, you know, have a business. They may have found us because their business was in stress and they wanted to find a solution. So they reach out to us and they say, Hey, Andrew, we need your help. And I say, great. I hope we can help. Let's analyze the circumstance. And as we're attempting to do an analysis, there's usually a theme and this theme goes something like this. I asked the prospective client, 
what are your labor percentages look like? And they say to me, uh, not really sure. I think last month we spent this, but I don't know. I haven't looked at it. And then I say, okay, um, what's your food cost percentage? And they say, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And this kind of goes on and on and on. And these things are correlated, right? It's, it's not a coincidence that someone's company is suffering financially and they don't know their numbers. It's usually pretty rare that someone is so on top of their numbers and their business isn't doing well because your numbers are, are the pulse. It's the lifeblood of your, of your business. And just in the same way that if you walk into an emergency room or a doctor's office, one of the first things that they'll do is they'll check your blood pressure or they'll put you on a heart rate monitor to make sure they understand what your vital signs are and what your heart rate is, because that is one of the biggest indicators of your health and your state of being in that moment. And so the numbers in a business, and I did another podcast about this, but numbers don't lie. And the numbers are going to tell you a lot. Now it's not going to tell you everything because it is another process to learn how to analyze that information. But first and foremost, you have to have it. And a lot of people just don't have it. And a lot of business owners don't like to look at it because, and I feel my intuition on this is that, is that numbers are very sobering and some business owners don't want to live in the sober reality of their situation because it's going to force them to, to make decisions that might be uncomfortable and that might look like firing some people. It might look like, you know, scaling the menu back. It might look like a lot of things, right? It, 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 it can look a, a number of ways. It might look like you need to raise money, right? Um, and so sometimes people want to avoid that, but overall you have to know your numbers. It's so important. And if you're not that person, right? You don't like numbers and you're, you're more of a brand and like marketing person, then you need to either find a business partner or you need to figure a way out around the fact that you still need to, you know, your company's going to live and die by these numbers. You can't avoid it, right? You can maybe figure a different way to interface with it, but you can't avoid it ultimately. The other thing to emphasize is that I'm not speaking strictly about the finances because there's a lot of data. There's a lot of numbers that a company has, right? Your POS is going to tell you things like what items are selling the most by what number, right? On maybe even specific days, who your best customers are, right? Which retail staff sells the most, right? In terms of the average ticket sale, your POS is going to give you all kinds of data that you probably didn't even think of, and you might not even know what to do with. But once you have this information, it's going to help guide your future decisions. And so knowing your numbers and having the data is so helpful in understanding if the, you know, what you should do next. And also if any changes you've made in the company are improving certain, certain uh, objectives, numeric objectives, because the data will teach you so much. So uh, I'll leave that one there um, and move on to the next one, which is number five. I feel like I kind of want to say it's the most important, but it's hard. It's kind of like picking your children. I don't have any children, so maybe it's easier for me to pick children that I don't have. But this is building a unique brand. Now, if you guys are new to the content that I've been creating, this might be 
a new concept for you. If you guys have been listening to the content for a while, you know this is a conversation that I like to have. I love to have. It's so important for me. It was probably one of the bigger blind spots, right? Like I knew that marketing and branding was important philosophically, like I need to do it. But I feel like it took me a long, long, long time to really grasp how important. And I'm going to give you guys some some things to reflect on that hopefully will emphasize how important branding is and building a unique brand. Often I like to use this example of fashion. I think high fashion and fashion, the fashion industry is one of the greatest reflections of the power of brand. Because if, for example, you take a t-shirt from uh, Dolce & Gabbana, and I don't know if they sell shirts because I don't buy Dolce & Gabbana clothing, but let's assume that they did, right? Or some other high fashion brand that you're familiar with. It could be Armani, right? Chanel, I don't know if they make clothes either. This is how out of touch with fashion I am. <laughs> but um, but some high fashion clothing brand and you took a t-shirt from, let's say, Walmart or some other department store. That's not a high fashion brand. Now, in the world of, of branding, there's two things that we can distinguish. One is the intrinsic value and then there is the perceptual value. So intrinsic value is a t-shirt is going to keep you warm, right? It gives you something so you can walk into places and not be shirtless, right? There's there's an intrinsic sort of tangible value that shirts have. In the realm of clothing, the, the spectrum of intrinsic value is only going to uh, vary so much. But in terms of perceptual value, people can charge almost limitless amounts for clothing, right? Where they can charge $1,000 for a shirt if they wanted to, if they had the brand to back it up because what people are purchasing is not the intrinsic value. They're purchasing the perceptual value clothing as a symbol of status and wealth. And, and that's what they're buying. And so in this conversation, it's a matter of understanding that branding is creating a perception. It's creating an experience that oftentimes and almost always supersedes and goes in front of the experience of someone drinking your product or eating an acai bowl or something else. So all people can go on in a first phase of their experience with your brand is the perceptual visual experience, your logo, your website, your Instagram, the quality of the photos, all of these things. And so often I see juice bar companies who have been around for a while or startup companies that have like very just horrible brands. They just don't present themselves well. And I think it's because people for when they, when you're starting a business, you lose the perception of the consumer, right? You lose the objectivity of your business, but we all know that we've been in an experience where we've been, thinking about buying food, maybe takeaway or walking into a restaurant. And once we get clear on the category of food that we want, we start to look at, okay, where are the different, you know, whether it's Chinese food or pizza restaurants we can go to. And the only thing you can go on are either reviews that they have or the way that they've presented their product, the story, the imagery, the website, right? What are the other touch points? Otherwise you have nothing. And so when people invest more, 
in building a unique brand and a cohesive and quality brand, it's going to make money for you, right? It's like, it's like the marketing before the marketing strategy. And let me take this moment just to define really what a brand is, because I think sometimes people also get lost and believe that the brand is strictly the visual presentation. But if I was to simplify it and, and kind of, uh, articulate it in, in one phrase, it's that a brand is really how your business lives in the minds and hearts of the consumer, right? Your, your brand is the full spectrum of impressions that your customers and your community get from your company. And that's going to leave them with a feeling. Now, everybody's going to have a different feeling about your business while you're doing the same thing, but there's most likely going to be um, similarities in the sentiment that people have about your company. And that's going to elicit more or less trust, more or less positive emotion. And when you have a company that has, you know, uh, inconsistent color palettes and fonts that are different and um, you know the website doesn't look like the store does and all these inconsistencies it doesn't elicit trust it elicits mistrust and these things will be the difference not only between uh, individuals visiting your store for the first time but also how much they invest when they come to your store because if they feel like your brand is is a high quality company, not only they're going to visit you, but instead of them buying one juice, they're going to buy two or maybe three, right? So this is the power of brand. And I want you guys to really invest in it. I want you to invest your energy in, in thinking about it in a greater depth. And I want you guys to invest resources, finances in doing, you know, uh, great design work great narrative, storytelling, copywriting, all of that. And this is something that if you guys do need help, we have designers in-house. Um, they're amazing. And we do a lot of branding. It's actually my favorite thing to work with clients on, to be honest, uh, which is interesting to see because it's something that in the beginning I was so far away from. And it became something that I just learned to love more than ever because I feel like I, over time, began to grasp the magnitude of the impact of this. So those are the top five expert tips. I hope that they help and have enlightened you. And as always, if you guys do need support, we run a full spectrum development company. We can help you with whatever you need, wherever you are to wherever you want to go. You can reach out to me personally at Andrew at start We'd be happy to discuss how we can support you, or you can go to our website to learn more at start until next time, hope you guys are happy, healthy, and inspired to launch your businesses. Our mission is to create a world where there are more healthy food service businesses than unhealthy food service concepts, and together we can do that. Until next time, see you soon.